Today, it's all about blurring the lines of creativity with MGH, Michelle Grace Hunter on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, your host, and uh, this is the show where we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion, all those stories and challenges that happen in between. The show notes for this show, as they are with every show, are over at BehindTheShot.tv. And in fact, if you are not subscribed to the podcast version of this show, which is available either in audio only or video format, if you're format of choice or your distribution source of choice supports video, the links to every way that you can subscribe that I know of, I suppose there's some I don't know of, those are at BehindTheShot.tv as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please head on down, make sure you hit the subscribe button, give a thumbs up. And of course, if you've got any questions or comments, leave those in the comment sections too. And I do want to remind you about the workshop that I'm going to be doing in New Orleans in January. This thing is going to be absolutely so fun. Uh, it is January 23rd to 27th. 2022 and it's the wanderers photo workshop and it is at wanderersphoto.com you can find out the pricing all the information let me tell you ahead of time when you see the pricing this is an all-inclusive workshop you got to get yourself there get yourself to the hotel and after that pretty much everything except alcohol is included but all the details exceptions that type of thing those are over at the website behind the shot.tv as well or at stevebrazel.com i've got a link to the workshop there too uh, last but not least i do want to mention my friends over at DVE Store because HD video is courtesy of DVE Store. You can visit DVE Store at DVEstore.com for all your digital video equipment needs. And I ran through that because I'm excited to get to my guest. So the guest that I've got on today, I know because I've met her a couple of times doing stuff like this. Michelle Grace Hunter. Michelle, how are you? Hi, Steve. So good to be here. It is so good to see you. You are an Australian-based, at least... I shouldn't say it this way. We'll get into this in a minute. But the way most people know you is you're an Australian-based music photographer, also a star of Twitch. But when I say music photographer, I don't want people to get the idea that you are only like pretty much what I do, live music. You do press and promo images. In fact, arguably, that's a lot of your business. Mm -hmm. Album covers. Uh, what else do you shoot? Like, how do you describe what you do to people? Yeah, I, I, press shots, um, album covers, uh, they're kind of like, that's kind of like my bread and butter. So I definitely, I still describe myself as a music photographer. Um, I would say 99% of the music, um, so of the photography that I do is in the music industry. So that's why I've always said music photography rather than concert photographer, because um, I, I do do live music. I do tour a lot as well. Um, but I guess my business structure has always been um, very much centered around taking press shots for artists. Um, and then, you know, the live music and stuff was always, that was always the fun stuff that I did as well. <laughs> it's, not so, it's not really something that pays the bills as much, but I absolutely love shooting live music. And now it's a, a big part of my business because I am touring and stuff, but definitely at the start it was, um, you know, it was the thing that I got to, uh, the thing that I did to kind of, get a footing in the industry and to meet people and to go to all the shows and, you know, to be friends with all the artists. So it was kind of part of the puzzle, but um, definitely music photographer is how I describe myself. So you really, you built it up. What I would argue is the best way to build it up. And that is you started doing the live shows. You started getting to know people. You started building relationships, which in this business mm -hmm. is 110% of it probably, <laughs> but let's say 98 so that we're at least mathematically correct. Yeah. 
Uh, and then from that, you started shooting those other types of things that artists require, like the press and promo, the album covers, um, you know, all of that type of stuff. The way that I met you, the first time at least, uh, was interesting to me because right after the pandemic started, our mutual friend Adam L. Micaiah started doing the Sunday night photographer hangouts. For some reason, he asked me to co-host that with him. <laughs> and when he stopped those, it there was a piece of me that just sunk because we got a community, and those were on Twitch. Mm -hmm. We got a community there that are still people I follow and talk to to this day. Mm -hmm. They're people that were were passionate about music photography. They participated, mm -hmm. which is what I see in your Twitch community. And I'm kind of curious, before we get deep into the Twitch stuff and what you do there, you mentioned Nikon, I think, earlier, but you're a Nikon mm -hmm. Z creator. And mm -hmm. I'm curious about two things. One, how much do you think the Nikon connection, right, being an official Z creator, how much do you think that plays a role in your success, both with the music stuff, the tour, mm -hmm. and with your Twitch stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I would actually say... It it's kind of, the Nikon stuff, uh, you say Nikon, I call it Nikon, it's the Australian version, right. but anyway. Uh, and technically um, you're came, probably more correct than me. Yeah, probably, yeah, I've, I have looked it up before. Yeah, but anyway, it's fine. Um, so that actually came really recently. So I only started being a Z creator at the start of 2020 and I started streaming at the start of 2020. I was kind of mid 2020 as well. So um, wait, wait, it wait. really took- You've only done Twitch? Since 2020? Yeah, I started doing Twitch when the pandemic happened because I wasn't able to shoot. You so built this community <laughs> in less than two years? Yes. yes. Wow. <laughs> okay, so I'm I sorry. Think, to Go be ahead. honest, like, no, no, but I think like a lot of it, a lot of people know who I am through um, uh, working with a particular artist. So if it, to kind of join the dots, there's a really big artist that I work with in Australia called Rule. And a lot of the success that I've seen, you know, that means more people know who I am has come through my major projects. One of them was um, a book on Australian hip hop. One of them was a documentary and photo series on Australian women in music. And the third thing is working with Rule. So those three things piece together is why I've kind of got a, a high profile in Australia. But Rule specifically, I think, um, and because he's such a big artist in Australia and we've toured the world, has really opened up, um, I guess, my profile to a lot of young female photographers and a lot of my community is young female photographers. So I think there's... Um, it's a real difference from that a lot of other photography communities that, you know, you probably noticed this, it, it does skew male. Um, my, my YouTube audience is probably over 90% male. I think yes. my podcast audience is probably about the same as well. And I want to build, I don't believe anything that I'm doing is male centric, but I'm an old guy yeah. from Southern California and people see me and go, ah, it's not for me. But sometimes before listening. Um, yes, but, and but it's our the same goal. with me too. Like you know, my I I skew female probably because I am obviously a woman, and that people relate to that. You know, younger women relate to that, and they see that it's just you know it's 
I think it's just the nature of the beast sometimes. It's like people can relate to what they see. I'm also um, far less technical. And I think that's, um, if we're going to talk about generalizations, female shooters are generally a lot more intuitive. And we'll definitely get into this today when we're talking about this photo and how it's achieved, but way less technical and way more intuitive. And I really, I try and encourage young female photographers to lean into that because I think a lot of um, a lot of women feel really inadequate and they feel like they need to know so much technical stuff. And I felt this myself. And sometimes when you're in spaces that are really, you know, gear dominated or technical talk dominated, it's very um, intimidating. And a lot of women just won't um, participate in that. And it's a shame, but I've seen it, my, you know, I've seen it for 10 years now. And sometimes they can be quite hostile to people that don't know the technical stuff. So I tried to create a space that was the opposite of that. So very welcoming. I always say there's no um, there's no dumb questions. I want to see everyone from, you know, the people in my community shoot with their phones, some of them. Like they're not all shooting with DSLRs. It's just like it's about creativity. It's about experimentation. It's about play, which I think is really important with photography. It's like just playing and having fun. So I think that's why it's been so successful is like um, I haven't seen many spaces like that before that just allows people to do whatever they want and it doesn't matter if it's not technically perfect and it's teaching them to learn and to just see what they like, what styles they like, what they really are resonating with and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really great journey over the last almost two years now. You just said, you, you just said so much stuff that I want to unpack because <laughs> for those of you that are, that are watching or listening to this that don't understand the, the music photography world, we, we, I would argue at least, because I've seen it, right? I think we have a problem sometimes in the music photography world where women that I would argue in many cases are better than everybody else in the pit, have a better eye than everybody else in the pit. Now, I'm not going to say that's because they're less technical. I think people that are technical can have a good eye and be technical. Mm. Um, and people that don't have the technical may mm-hmm. lean into the, the the more visionary stuff. That's the beauty of it, right? Is you get both. Yeah. But I have watched security treat women in a photo pit <laughs> on the whole way, I mean, literally way different than men. I know very famous female music photographers that have told me privately nightmare stories of security kicking them out of the pit, but not the men. And so I think it's, it's (laughs) kind of cool that, that you, you embrace, look, come in here, be a part of the community, create something. I'm going to use a music analogy. Eddie Van Halen could have had a $35 guitar from a pawn shop and made you go, wow. He didn't need a $3,000 guitar to make you go, wow. And some of the people that walk in a photo pit with an entry-level kit camera and kit lens, Mm -hmm. you go look at their Instagram, they'll blow you away. Not everybody. Absolutely. And that's that's what I found with my community as well. Like there's literally people that are shooting with their phones that blow me away every week. I'm like, I don't even know. Like it's inspiring to me. I don't know how you've created this. I don't know how, I don't know where your, like the thought for this concept came like every week. I'm honestly just blown away. So I, yeah, I completely resonate that uh, with that as well as security treating us differently. Have you, have you seen that? Um, 
Has that happened to you? Seen, experienced many, many times. Like some of my first experiences were me physically being like grabbed from the back and thrown out of the venue when I had a triple A pass. So part of like, part of, you know, me wanting to connect to a lot of younger female photographers as well. And it's, you know, I've written a masterclass in music photography now as well is to communicate that these things will happen and giving them the tools to deal with it rather than what usually happens is people will get so upset and often quit and you lose amazing, amazing photographers. So it's um, trying to give the tools to learn that unfortunately this will happen. And while we're still in the process of educating and, um, you know, trying to make the world a little bit more equal, there's things that we can do to be assertive and stand up for ourselves in that in that um, situation uh, stand your ground, be really polite and, and but firm to say, hey, I have the right pass. If you need to go check with someone, like you need to do that. But um, because you're, you're within your rights to be there. If you know that you're meant to be there, you're, you're within your rights. So it's just, you know, teaching those skills, I think, um, in a really positive way uh, and just giving them the confidence to go, no, I know that I'm meant to be here and I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not going to be, you know, Sometimes that doesn't happen. I've been physically, like quite the last shoot that I did, I was physically pushed out of a space when uh, the videographer that works for Rule was allowed to keep shooting. So, like, you know, it still happens all the time and I still have to stand my ground, try not get upset, try not, you know, lose my entire mind in that moment. You have to be your own advocate, but I would argue to our industry again as a whole, because I see the issues in it, mm. that you need other people to advocate for you. If you're a guy in a photo pit and you see somebody treating somebody like that yeah, because they're a woman, I mean, it could be that you, there are people that go into a photo pit, both male and female, and act like idiots. They walk totally. in in bright red totally. devil outfits and hold their camera like this. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I've seen all of this, yeah. both male and female. Yeah, I mean- not everything is that, but if you see, if you're a guy in a photo pit and you see a, a woman in a photo pit being treated unfairly, I have a rule because I, I watched somebody in a photo pit one time critique somebody for the camera gear that they were having, that they were using. And my comment to them was, <laughs> they've got the same pass as you. The gatekeeper yeah. that gave out those passes made the choice that they have the same rights to be in this pit that you do. So yes. instead of doing what you're doing, why don't you look at them and say, I'm sorry, I'm taller than you. I'm like, let me stand. You come up front. Let me stand behind you. I can shoot over you. Right. There's a million yeah. ways to approach it. So Nikon ambassador, I'm going to try and go with Nikon. Uh, <laughs> in the U.S., we call them Nikon ambassadors. Where yeah. you are, you have Z creator. Do you know the the, the designation difference? Yeah. So uh, we have ambassadors too. I'd say they're sort of similar, but I guess we're specific to mirrorless. That's how I kind okay. of differentiate right. it. Ambassadors, I think, would be across, they could probably be across all different types of cameras, but um, I would say the Z creators came across uh, came around um, the year before I started. I mean, I was in the second kind of group of um, Z creators. I say Z as well, so I'm going to be fine. saying Z rather than Z. Um, and it's, to me, uh, I mean, I'm the first music photographer that they've um, ever come on board with in Australia and I was, I'm was i super passionate about um, mirrorless and showing the capabilities of um, the, the Z series specifically 
because I was so, I mean, I literally wrote to them saying, I'm so impressed with the mirrorless series. I feel like I would be a great person to have on board because I just won National Live Music Photographer of the Year at that point and I'd just come off a world tour with Rule and I was kind of saying there's not a better person that can be out there saying look what your cameras do. So I came on board um, after I wrote that letter and it's been such an amazing relationship with them. I'm I'm doing so much stuff with them now. It's awesome. I'm hosting a lot of their online um, schools that they do, so webinars. I do at least one every couple of weeks um, with other Z creators, with ambassadors, with other people that they just um, have to come and talk about uh, different um, Nikon uh, products and just, you know, it could be a Z creator's career or it could be that they might be teaching a technique and I really love doing that as well, um, as well as just creating uh, when I can, when we're not in lockdown, but uh, when I can create stuff and be posting what these cameras are capable of doing. And I think that's what I'm most excited about for next year is hopefully getting on the road again, hopefully being able to, um, you know, show the cap- like the full capabilities of what the mirrorless is, is um, capable of because they're just, I've been blown away. I've now sold all of my DSLR gear. I'm completely mirrorless. Um, so, and yeah, I'm just, I'm super, I, I actually am just really passionate about it. So it's, it's really fun to talk about. My, my old Canon DSLR gear is on the floor over here for sale. My webcam is a five, my old 5D Mark IV with a 24 to 70. That's what it's been relegated to because I switched yeah. to mirrorless. I completely agree with you, but you made a comment. Yeah. You wrote the letter and in a different way, that's advocating for yourself. So I, I love yeah. that. That matters. Yeah. People, you can't wait. Right. You can't. You well, can't I was s- getting I was getting frustrated because I was like, why are they ignoring the music industry? And then I was like, wait, they probably don't even know we exist. So I'm going to st- tell them that I exist. And I was like, here's my credentials. Here's what I do. I just won this award. I use your products and I think they're amazing. So, um, yeah, kind of it kind of made sense. Smart move, smart, smart move. So (laughs) we got to talk about Twitch really quick before we get into the photograph because Michelle G. Hunter on, uh, at Michelle G. Hunter or, you know, twitch.tv slash Michelle G. Hunter. You are very well known in the Twitch world. I can't believe you built it this quick. It still kind of blows me away. You do this, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken, three times a week. It's two times now. It was three times last year. Um, I just found when we started coming out of lockdown, the, the We've been in lockdown six times, but whatever time that I started working three times a week was just not manageable. So I, I'm committed to two times a week now. And now that we're back out of lockdown, um, I think, you know, it's just I would like to keep consistency and not move it around too much. So two times a week, Tuesdays and Sundays, which is your Mondays and Saturdays. Right. And you do interviews. I was uh, uh, honored to be a guest yes. on your show. And what it was funny because I came on your show because you had somebody that's been on this show before that I'm a big fan of, Jazz Meadows. Uh, you mm-hmm. had Jazz on and I was watching that show during it as you were streaming it live. Uh, I ended up being on it. You do workshops, you challenge, mm-hmm. you do challenges for the people who who yep. watch it. And yep. I want to go into really quick some things in your history that are interesting to me. First of all, from from mm-hmm. a success point of view. The National Archive okay. of Australia, you have two portrait series in the National Sound and Film Archive of Australia. Absolutely amazing. But then you kind of alluded to a book that you did a while ago. In 2015, you released the book Rise. Mm-hmm. The The story of this book, I mean, we could do an hour on the book, in all honesty. <laughs> But give a give a brief kind of helicopter view of what the book is. And really what I want to know is 
What role did that play in your career? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's It was really instrumental in basically um, announcing my arrival, I would say, into the industry. So I picked up, I literally picked up a camera at 31. So I, I came, I was very, you know, older to come into photography. I had no knowledge of photography until I picked up that camera. And, and I gravitated toward, towards music because I had um, a couple of friends who were rappers. So I started taking photos for my friends who were um, local hip-hop artists and that's kind of what, where I started in the music industry, started going to shows and just following, you know, my friends around with the camera. Um, and I became so obsessed with photography and music photography and was like, okay, this is what I want to do. How do I get known? And I don't know anything. I, I don't know how to shoot for publications. I don't know any of the right ways of doing anything. All I could work out in my head was that I need people to know who I am so that they work with me. Like that's how my brain was working. So I started doing a portrait series on Australian hip hop artists. And at that time I was like, the, the Australian hip hop industry that I was experiencing was really different to what I was hearing on the radio. So I was like, okay, I know that there's these, these few groups that you hear on the radio, but there's this whole other scene that nobody knows about. So I just became really passionate about highlighting this scene. So I made a list of like 10 people to work with um, and that list ended up expanding to 180 people, uh, 180 groups and individuals wow. over a two-year period. I travelled around Australia. Um, I self-published the book. Um, and it was, I guess, you know, when that came out, not only had I worked with, you know, pretty much the entire hip-hop scene at that point, um, the music industry, I guess, took me seriously because they were like, you know, here's a girl who's just come on the scene. She's been here for two years, but she's serious. You know, there's a whole tangible right. project that she's given back to people, back to the industry, back to the scene. Um, it was definitely, uh, I think, the most important thing um, at that time, you know, to really stamp my authority to say, I'm serious, I want to be doing this as a career, Um yeah, and kind of let me in, basically. <laughs> well, but what a hell of a calling card when you think about it. I mean, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna walk into an industry, excuse me, this is me. Here's a book, right? Yeah, and I did. I sent it to everyone too. Like I sent it to all the publicists, all the record labels. Like I literally was like, that was my business card, and like it it, it really worked. Like you know, all of you know, it it just it really made um, a, such a big difference to everybody knowing who I was, not just within hip hop as well, like the entire industry. It's like, oh, there's this girl, she's done this book. And it's tangible. I mean, you, you can't underestimate mm -hmm. this, the, the old thing of holding a photograph is really honestly different than mm -hmm. looking at it on your phone. This leads to Her Sound, Her Story, which was a personal mm -hmm. project that you did, uh, full length documentary also related to Her Sound, Her Story, released in 2018. Yes. And I just want to mention to people, hersoundherstory.com is the website still, right? Yeah, that's okay. correct. Yeah. So go look up that personal project because that one is really fascinating to me. You've also, as you mentioned, you you tour with Rule and a bunch of other artists. Your masterclass mm -hmm. you mentioned, and for those that are on the audio feed, I'm going to tell you the, the website for the masterclass right now. But if you're on video, the masterclass URL has been coming up, but it's MGH, Michelle Grace Hunter, mghmasterclass.com. And that 
correct me if I'm wrong, is basically a music industry masterclass, music industry photography masterclass. Photography, yeah. Basically, it's everything that I've learned in the last 10 years, what not to do, what to do, who to speak to, everything about copyright, just all of the do's and don'ts in a a less technical way than other masterclasses. It's a lot of, it's kind of a lot of unwritten rules, a lot of industry secrets, as well as technical stuff, as well as, um, you know, just things that worked for me, uh, you know, creating a, a career in music photography, because I think what you see, and you will know this, Steve, like a lot of people, there's so many music photographers and a lot of them shoot for publications and they they find it tricky to take the next step to, to getting paid and like it, it I'm really passionate about getting paid because so many people will say oh bands don't pay and it's just not true there's no. a way to go about asking um even the most broke and- band will buy <laughs> will buy a new PA system a new switch yes. for the guitar a foot pedal for the guitar a new microphone if they they will spend money on things that advance their career your job is to Explain to them and sell the fact that your photos can last a really long time and advance their career. Exactly. And that's that's what I'm trying to teach in the masterclass. Those skills, different ways of approaching it. Potentially you could, you know, maybe you do shoot for free, but you say, okay, if you like the photos, then you buy the gallery for X amount of money or whatever. So there's different ways, like just being creative and thinking of thinking a little bit outside the box rather than going, oh, they said no, they're not going to pay me. There's other ways that, you know, you know, you can uh, you can get in there and start getting paid. So, yeah, that's what the masterclass is about. You know, I, I I have a thing I tell people, and that is, at least in my opinion, I think sometimes it's just people, they're not comfortable asking for the money. And that's the hurdle. It's not the amount yes. of money. It's jump. So I don't care if you look at a small band, whatever, and just go, you know what, I'll do it for 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Just get used to getting something. something. <laughs> Yeah. And then totally. very quickly you'll be going, no, it's $500. It happened. Yeah. Quick. No, I, it's, it really is. It really is just that first hurdle. And I think you're completely correct in saying that a lot of people just struggle to ask, especially if they've been doing publication stuff for free right. for a long time. They just, they, it's just that psychology or psychological um, switch you need to flick. Uh, it's like you're providing a service. It's actually no different than anybody else working on the night. So if you start thinking of yourself as providing a really valuable service, then you can ask for the fee that is attached to that. So, yeah. At a bare minimum, equate yourself to the people taking tickets at the door and the bartender because they're getting paid. Uh, That's a great one. Yes. Before we get into this photo, and I promise people I will, but I haven't seen (laughs) Michelle in a while. And so I'm having some fun just catching up with her. But plus, I want you to know as much about her as possible because I'm a fan. So uh, you do a podcast really quick. Uh, You're killing it with your co-host, Tama. Uh, just give people the idea of where they can find You're Killing It and what it's about. Yes, it's uh, um, specifically for creatives and creative freelancers. We wanted to make a podcast that kind of talks about just the crazy things that we you know, experience as well as talking to people that are in that freelance world because it's a really weird world to work in, you know. Um, it's, you know, when you're not working nine to five and you're not getting an, a regular paycheck, how do you balance that? What are the things you need to, to juggle? Is it family life? Is it all of these different things? So we, we set up this podcast a little while ago um, and you can find us on all of the, the streaming, like Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. I think there's a few others, but they're the main ones. But yeah. 
Okay, Easy sounds good. So <laughs> now you guys kind of know who Michelle is. And uh, there's a lot there. I'm so sorry. There, no, no, no. I tell, I actually say to people, when people say to me, what do you do for a living? Like if they don't know who I am, what do you do for a living? And my answer to them is always, almost every time. It depends what day you ask me. <laughs> yes. Because on a there's Sunday, a I might be on, on the radio. On a Saturday, I might yeah. be photographing live music. You never know. Uh, everybody, so that you know, just a quick reminder for you. Uh, however you're consuming this, whether it be the audio version on a podcast app or the video version on a podcast app, like Apple Podcasts supports video. If you're watching on Spotify or listening on Spotify, there is no audio, no video option there. If you're watching on YouTube, whatever, you can find the show notes for this show and every single show at BehindTheShot.tv. I've got a little thing that I wrote about Michelle. I've got a sample gallery of her work and all the links that you're seeing on screen here. If you're on the audio version and you're driving and you can't write them down, that's okay. Head on over to BehindTheShot.tv, find this episode. All the links are there as well. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, go down, hit every button you can find. Just, well, not the dislike button. Almost every button <laughs> yeah, you can find. Yeah, not the dislike. Yeah, just hit <laughs> most of the buttons. And, and we'll keep it going there. So let's get into this photo. This photo, I'm going to call it Henry Brett because that's who's in the photo, right? Yes. Do you have artist, a name? Yeah. Do, you, do you name your photos? I don't. I usually just name them uh, what the artist name is. So yeah, that's okay. why the file name is called Henry Brett. <laughs> you and I went back and forth a couple of times on different shots. And I kept coming back to this one because I have questions on this one that are killing me. <laughs> I've got to get the questions out. So first of all, I want to uh, talk technical stuff. I looked at the EXIF data for this shot. You shot mm -hmm. what is effectively matrix metering. It's pattern metering. Uh, manual. Do you always shoot full, fully manual? Always, yep. Okay. White balance auto. Makes sense. That's what I do as well. Your exposure bias here was, so you had an exposure bias of one third stop under. So you're using something in an auto setting that lets you say, when you calculate, calculate one third under, which is interesting because you're in manual mode and I can see the exposure data. So you had uh, 1.3 seconds is what it showed in the EXIF data, 50 millimeters. Yep. The interesting thing is the EXIF data showed aperture twice. It's either F6 or F8. Do you remember which? I would probably say F8 if I was to guess, but I, I can't remember. This was actually a few years ago. So Okay. And ISO wasn't listed in the EXIF data. Uh, oh, that's any, interesting. Yeah. Any it's idea? It was probably, probably about 100, I would say. Okay. Because this is, you're using a flash here. I'm using strobe, yeah, strobe. Okay. I'm actually, well, I'll get into this, strobe and LEDs. There's two There's two light sources. Okay, okay, there we go. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Because <laughs> yeah. this shot, the reason I, I introduced this episode by saying blurring the lines of creativity is because there are, there are details in this shot that I'm so afraid. Like this is one of those shots, I always, I always describe the shot to, to the audio audience. This is one of those shots Usually I'm afraid to describe them. I can't wait to try and describe this shot because there's a few things in here. I'm afraid that somebody looking at this in passing will miss that are critical to why this shot is so damn good. So first of all, let's start here. It's a shot of Henry Brett, who is a performer. Is Henry Australian? He's a, yeah, he's Australian singer. Yeah. Musician. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to try this and, Shoot me down wherever I'm wrong. 
He's okay. wearing what appears to be kind of a really cool, like I picture this jacket in the 60s in the hippie scene almost. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a velour jacket with big, wide, full height, almost lapels with very large buttons on it, right? Yep. I, I'm, I, I'm gonna struggle with this part, so bear with me. The real person, right? The, the real Henry <laughs> is on the right-hand side of the frame, on the, like just inside the rule of third. His shoulder, he's leaning to the right. He's facing us. He's leaning to his left camera right. Both his shoulder and his head are about on the rule of third. He's looking camera left to his right. Both his hands are up, okay? This is key. His hands being up is actually key. He's looking straight left. His right hand is like in front of him. His left hand is across his chest. And that version of Henry is beautifully color accurate, right? I mean, not only that, it's, it's, it's a rather beautifully rich, this may be the Nikon processing, but it's a beautifully rich natural skin tone. I really actually like the, the, the way that that Henry came out. However, there's more than one Henry. <laughs> I, I almost see this as multiple personalities when I saw this. So picture a mirror image of that Henry on the other side of the screen to a point, leaning camera left, facing the camera, leaning camera left to his right, looking camera right to his left, hands up in the air, just like the other one. But in a mirror image, everything would be exact. And here they're not. And the Henry on the left has a more orangey, almost like color, is semi-transparent and blurred as though it was the 1.3 second exposure and Henry moved, okay, except the blur lines up so perfectly with the hand that's up in the air. The blur lines up so perfectly between the faces, the nose blur, you can line right up to both of them even though they're in completely different places. And here's the weird part. There's a third Henry. Just inside <laughs> the blurred Henry, on, and this is the one that got me right? I could see him starting on one side, long exposure, two different flash settings, move to the left. Okay. I, but there's the third one as though there is a moment frozen in time mid movement that also connects perfectly. And the face is more blurred, but a hundred percent understandable and clear. The things that I love about this, there's a composition rule called the rule of threes, not the rule of thirds, the rule of threes, where you use odd numbers, right? There's three of them here. That to me is much stronger than two. The rule of thirds is in play here. The, the symmetry and yet not symmetrical, right? I love this shot. So from, from a helicopter point of view, how'd I do describing it? Pretty good, I think. It's it's a it's a difficult one if I guess if you're not seeing it I think it but um you did a pretty yeah, I think you did a pretty great job. <laughs> so I I need to know your technique here because there's there's lighting yes. involved clearly there's motion yes. involved clearly the Henry on the left is I'm colorblind but it looks kind of orange to me the Henry on the right is color accurate there's something off with that to me. <laughs> 
<laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you chose this this photo because this is my favorite technique to play in the studio. So what I usually do is I have you have the brief of, of you know what you're going to do with the artist. You have a, a period of time, and then usually I allow about half an hour of play. I call it play time. Um, to experiment and at this time at this point this is a few years ago I was really experimenting with long exposure and I think just to take a step backwards to know that um, when I started I always found I always would describe myself as a natural light photographer uh, because I was terrified of the studio it was absolutely because I'm not technical at all um, I find I find technical stuff really really tricky uh, after I did Rise and the book came out, I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to be taken seriously, I really think I need to learn how to use studio lights and be in the studio. And so I basically forced myself to just shoot in the studio for a year. I was like, I'm not doing any natural light photo shoots that I would always encourage people to do. I'm going to force myself and I'm going to learn techniques that I find are really, really, really difficult. And I'm just going to it's just repetition. So at this point I was playing around a lot with this particular technique, which I will say is not an easy technique at all. It's probably one of the more technical techniques, but that makes me feel I'll explain. Okay. Well, I'll explain how I did it. Um, so the, the frozen Henry that you've seen on the right, which is kind of like the real Henry that's done with an overhead. Uh, it's done with my strobe lights. So my studio lights, I've, uh, I used to have Bowens um, and, it's just one big giant softbox that's over the top and it's kind of facing from uh, when you're like, looking picture left to right. So you can see how right. that, um, you can see how the light falls across his face. You can see that it's overhead, but it's kind of on an angle. It's not directly in front. Uh, and that's, that's one of my favorite um, studio lighting setups is just one big giant overhead right. slightly like 45 off to the degrees left. off center and 45 yeah. degrees it's just timeless beautiful classic you know you might get a you know a bounce in there or something but I just I just love that lighting setup so I would always start there so the, the trick to this is like the strobe freezes the motion so that the Henry that you've seen he freezes him sorry not in motion he's he's frozen in time I guess um, and then the trick with the long exposure is you have to play around with this. And I, what I found too is it never works the same twice. So every time I do this, it's a little bit different. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm constantly playing around with the settings to get it right. But so once the, the strobe is, is gone, uh, it's flashed and it's off again. So the studio is dark. What I then do is I flick on a second light, which is, facing the other way. So it's on the other side at a 45 degree angle. And I can't remember if I used an LED or a lamp. I'm thinking at this time, this was really early. I might've still been using, I used to have a little desk lamp on my desk at my studio that I would use for this particular um, style of shoot. So I'd bring it into the studio, plug it in and I would flick it on um, after the light, after the strobe's gone dark, I'd ask Henry to move and I'd flick on the other light. So that's the motion that you're getting in that third, you know, if it's, what did you say it was one third of a second? I can't remember what time. 1.3. Um, time. 1.3. Sorry, 1.3. So a, a second and a little bit more. Um, so that's the motion that you're getting. And the thing is with this, you have to do, it's like repetition to get 
this type of photo. Like there's some that are just like they literally look like, you know, spirits, le- demon ghouls are leaving their body. And, that, and part of that really, is the color. Really, really weird stuff. The color adds yes, to I that think feel. How would you get the color? The, it, the color is just whatever, I guess, lamp, you know, if you're using a, a warmer tone. Oh, and, and sometimes it was, I do this it was with, like incandescent um, white balance. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yes. So, or, or you use an it's LED that has, it's mixed lighting. Exactly. And again, this is one of those things that oh sometimes people God. are saying you should never do that. I'm a big fan of breaking all the rules. I will break basically because I don't know the rules. So people will say later, oh, you know, you're not meant to mix this light. And then I'm like, what? I just did this thing and it looks really cool. So Well, but here's the key. So for, for people watching, you need to understand something. If you, if you light somebody with fluorescent incandescent and 5500 daylight yeah you might have them looking weird here in one photo it's two different color temperatures but they're literally used independent of each other so so let me understand something he started on the right Mm -hmm. so the real henry is the first part and then he moved left he moved left and i would just get him like he would continually do this so that that third face that you noticed the movement i get him to do is a little bit different every time so sometimes i will get him to kind of slightly pause and keep moving like i get him to do sometimes i'll get him to jump sometimes i'll get him to turn around like every time i do this i i'll experiment with it a little bit more because you just it's it's not an exact science. It's literally like for me anyway, because I'm just playing. I'm like, what, what are we going to get? What's going to look cool? Um, again, it's all, it's really intuitive for me. Like I, I just want to keep doing this until we get something that's really amazing. And, you know, we might've done this, I don't know, 30 times before we got something like this. So, that makes me feel better too. Yeah, it's not one shot. We're not just like going for one I, shot. I picture Michelle get, in a but... studio going, start there, end there, <laughs> click. Beautiful. Thank no, you. No, no. That's the exact opposite of how I work too. This is very much play. <laughs> this is very much let's see what happens. Um, let's keep doing this until we get something that looks really great. And that's really indicative of a lot of a lot of my shoots, to be honest. It's very much just let's have fun. I just love the fact that I understand the third face now. It was literally just a, just a pause because. Just a, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And not so intentional good. either. Because I think um, even like uh, with some of the, the, how you were describing with, with, you know, rule of thirds and all that sort of stuff, not intentional at all. Um, I think oh. when you, when you see, for me, when you see the photographs that work, um, there's something about, there's something that's obviously pleasing to the eye um, that I think that happens with these rules. That's why they're rules, I guess. But right. I'm not really taking them into consideration when I'm shooting. It's just when I choose the final photo and I'm looking at the proofs, I'm like, this is the one that feels the best to me. And then, you you know, you find out, oh, it's hitting these points in a rule of thirds. And it's um, you find out later that that's the reason that I guess you're drawn to it, if that makes sense. It's not an intentional thing for me at all. I, again, that's that's leaning into the creativity part of it. And then you've got this, this it's seeing creativity in motion. It's seeing, it's seeing a frozen moment of time in motion. When you do something like this, whatever the artist is, when, when you're working with an artist in any of the work that you do, the, the creative, you know, press, promo, that type of thing, mm-hmm. 
do they come to you expecting, you know, oh, we, we know that Michelle is super creative. What do you got for us? What do you have in mind? Is it, does it tend to be more? Cause I know a lot of people, it's a collaboration. Does it tend to be more collaboration or is it heavy on you with their input or vice versa? Heavy on what they want with your input? What What's the balance there? I would say it's, almost always a collaboration even if they come to me and they've seen my folio and they're like you're the creative one i will go back to them and say yes but what you're looking at has always been a collaboration with the artist so i don't i can't take full credit that i came up with these concepts so i need to draw concepts out of them every time so i'll go back to them put it a little bit on them okay let's think about how do you want to be represented as an artist visually i get them to send me my music i get them to send me references um, that really help me as well. Like even if it's really vague references, it's just going to help me get on the same page, but very much, very much collaborative. Um, And I love it being like that too, because I actually don't, I'm not really great conceptually. Like I'm not just a person that just plucks ideas out and goes, this will work for this artist. Sometimes it happens, but more often than not, it's um, very much just working with the artist about, I'm really, really good at hitting a brief as well. So if an artist came to me and said, we want this, I actually love that because I know that I can execute now. Like I'm really confident in my ability to execute a brief and I can look at something and go, okay, this is lit like this and I can, um, you know, I can definitely achieve that or, you know, we can't shoot that in the studio. We need to do that on location or whatever that is. I'm also comfortable doing that. So, um Yeah, I think with musicians and artists, it's such a different form of photography. It's not like normal portraits or, um, you know, a lot of other styles of photography. Like we are creating the visuals of their brand. So it's so much less about me and, and, you know, my photography brand. It's all about the musician and their brand. So I've got to remove some of my own kind of artistic ego and be like, this is about representing them. I'm bringing obviously my skill and my creativity and all of the things that I've learned over the last 10 years, my technical ability, um, but I need to represent them. If it doesn't match, if the music doesn't match the visuals and it's really, you know, disjointed, you know, I, I think that the artist will suffer. And I think you see that too. Like it's, I'm a, a big fan of looking at, um, visuals and, and and hoping that they match what the music sounds like. It's just like I, I become really passionate about it. So, yeah. So on a shot like this, on a percentage level, how much of this is you coaching his movement versus, you know, some artists, they get in front of a camera and they just, they're just <laughs> naturals, right? Some people, yeah, I shouldn't even yeah. just say artists. Some some people are hams, yeah. for, for lack of a better phrase. You put them in front of a camera and they come alive. On a percentage level, was this 50-50 you coaching him or was this mainly you telling him where to move? With the long exposure stuff, like I do have to direct a lot because it's like I'm getting feedback of what I'm seeing from the shots that we're taking. And I'll be like, okay, cool, that was great. But this time, let's try this. Or this time, let's do another one, but let's try this. But okay. Henry was really great at movement as well. So I definitely, I, I don't want to say he had nothing to do with it because he definitely did. And he moved really, um, he moved really gracefully as well, which is, um, that's always really handy when people are kind of aware of their body positions. Because some artists wouldn't even think to put their hands in this position, if that makes sense. Like some artists would just be oh, yeah. like, there's all, there's <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Whereas, 
flow to how he's here is here. Yeah. yeah yeah i think he was very in tune with just what would look really beautiful and um as you can see it works really well here so yeah what what software do you use when you edit uh lightroom i would say predominantly um to get you know all my all my culling and color grading is done in lightroom and then if i have to do retouching it would i'd pull it into photoshop um these types of shots don't need a lot of Photoshop usually, um, not a lot of retouching. I would definitely probably done a, a, a color grade just to boost those colors, those rich that rich color that you were talking about before. Um, to you know, just I, I love really, I love contrast and I love rich colors. You see that throughout um, my folio is I, I really like stuff to pop. So my processing always involves just you know, kind of elevating everything a little bit. But I would, I can't imagine this would have had a lot of Photoshop. Some of the Photoshop stuff is like if you're um, spot removal and removing stuff from background. And also with a male artist, you're doing a lot less retouching than female artists um, just because of, you know. Society. <laughs> ridiculous yeah. beauty standards. Yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's the societal comment that, yeah. Uh, so yeah. here's 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 the speed round. Answer these as fast as you can with whatever pops into your head. Okay. <laughs> if you could give one piece of advice to people that are just starting out shooting press promo cover type stuff, what would it be? Just play, just relax, just be as creative as possible. I think people get really stuck in, um, especially when working with artists and bands that they really like, but just be um, just allow time to be to to be free and creative. I would say it's okay. where the magic happens. It's where everyone's relaxed, and it's where you know all the magic happens. Biggest mistake you almost made or did make? Oh, I think um, biggest mistake I probably made is. Uh, not being aware early on that your social media presence is being watched by a lot of people and to be professional at all times. Um, and it's a hard lesson to learn um, and it's something that I try and teach everybody now is that that everybody is watching you all of the time and whatever you say, even if you think it's a joke or whatever, um, you know, somebody could see that and just think that you're really unprofessional for a particular comment, which has happened to me. So, yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> I tend favorite... to not do that anymore. Yeah, good idea. Uh, favorite drink? Oh, I'm a massive tea fan. I drink tea. Um, there's a Melbourne breakfast uh, tea to tea that I drink all of the time. So I just literally just finished one. So tea. Okay. <laughs> favorite singer, band or album? Kendrick Lamar, um, Dam, I think, I mean, all of his, but Dam is my favorite of his. Um, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> first concert, not photographing, the first concert in your life you ever went to? The first concert I ever went to was Kylie Minogue. Oh, wow. Um, in a tiny, tiny town called Euroa, um, very, very small country town that not many people would know about. Uh, and I was probably 12, maybe very I think, young. I think yeah. my friend Christy Goodwin does a lot of work with Kylie Minogue now. Wow. Uh, awesome. Photographing, uh, Christy, by the way, if you don't yeah. follow Christy, anybody, Christy, Goodwin, I don't. 
uh, ChristyGoodwin.com. She's the house photographer at the Royal Albert Hall in London. And tour photographer for Joe Bonamassa, Taylor Swift. She was one of the first people ever to photograph Ed Sheeran and uh, with the help of his dad, just released oh, a book no, on Ed I do, Sheeran. I do yeah. follow her. Yes, uh, yes, yes, I do Christy's follow her. just yes, amazing. she's amazing. Wonderful, wonderful yeah. lady. Uh, last question. Is there a photographer people may not know about that you think needs to have some attention called to them? Somebody, some, somebody that everybody should follow. Yes. Um, I'm just going to get her her actual Instagram. Right? There's a, there's a, photo- a music photographer in my community who uh, her name's Gabrielle Clement. Gabs. Um, Gabs. She is, she definitely doesn't have enough followers. She's exceptional, exceptional music photographer. Um, I'm just waiting for the time that a band notices her and takes her on tour. She's uh, really, really, really talented. Very, very painfully shy. Um but very, very talented. And she does great design work as well. And I think she's been doing a lot of that in lockdown as well. I'm just always blown away by her, uh, by her work. So her Instagram is, um, it's Gabrielle Mary, but it's spelt with the A's are X's. So, (laughs) well, and I will, uh, I follow Gabs. So I will Uh, get her. She's on Twitter. She's actually fairly regular on Twitter. She's on Instagram. I will get all her links and I will put those also, or at least the Instagram in in the show notes too. So head on over to behindtheshot.tv. You can find uh, the photographer pick for Gabs in there. All of Michelle's picks in the blog post over at behindtheshot.tv. Little bit that I wrote about Michelle, a sample gallery (laughs) of the work, et cetera, et cetera. So for those that don't already follow you, what are you people doing? Follow her. Yeah, what are you doing? I mean, come on. Uh, for those that don't follow you, where can people find you? What's your website? Let's start there. Our website's michellegracehunder.com. And then all of my other socials are Michelle G. Hunder. So pretty much Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, Twitch TikTok. I'm on all of them. Um, Michelle G. Hunder on everything. So Facebook, Facebook Michelle is Michelle Grace, Hunter, though. I think it's. I think I, I think Facebook was Michelle it. Grace Hunter. Uh, oh, masterclass. Let's give the masterclass. Oh, masterclass. Like yeah, masterclass is um, mghmasterclass.com. So if anyone has any interest in music photography and wanting to learn how to make a, a career, I've got I've I've your girl. I've got everything written down for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for inviting me. This was super fun. I, I, I am so glad to catch up with you. And again, if you don't follow her on Twitch, go watch live because you'll understand what I mean about the community. She's got this fantastic community that she's built. Uh, and wow, in such a short period of time. So again, to Michelle Grace Hunter, thank you so much for doing Behind the Shot. To everybody else, thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting the show, for listening, for when I tweet things or put stuff on Instagram. So many of you reshare them. I do want to remind you, the website is behindtheshot.tv. My website is stevebrazel.com, like the country Brazil, but two L's. Head on over there. You can find me on social media. It's at Steve Brazel or at Behind the Shot TV. Follow, comment, let me know whatever you want to want to hear. YouTube is Behind the Shot on YouTube. And please do subscribe. And wherever you're getting this, whether it be YouTube, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, 
If you would leave a review, a written review, a star rating, hopefully it's five. If it's not, please reach out to me. Let me know what I'm not doing right so that I can hopefully, you know, help the content fit what you're looking for a little bit better. Thanks to everybody. I'm Steve Brazel, and we will see you on the next show. Thank you.